Hey, it's Bill Cousins here from Less Cancer. Today we are um, at the National Cancer Prevention Workshop on Capitol Hill. And with us is Miles O'Brien, uh, our chairman of Less Cancer. He has been a board member for at least a decade, and he is our fearless leader. Um, Miles, welcome. Bill, it's a pleasure. And congratulations on an epic. National Cancer Prevention Workshop. This surpasses everything you've done by probably an order of magnitude. It's amazing. The breadth and depth is, is stunning. This just wouldn't happen without you. We appreciate your Yeah, just take that on board. Take, take that on board. You, 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 have, you have demonstrated tremendous leadership over the past more than a decade now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to say I, I've had the opportunity to see uh, a, just a small bit of this, the tip of the iceberg. And what I've seen was really, uh, number one, very groundbreaking. Uh, num- number two, an assemblage of some of the leading experts in their fields. And it's also just brought forth in a very engaging way that can really um, bring the public along on this discussion, which is what, after all, Less Cancer is all about, bringing this discussion to the fore. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I remember um, when we talked um, some months ago about the subject of breast cancer and alcohol consumption. And I had just read a little article in a journal and said, you know, this might be a topic for you. And that panel just blew me away. There were so many things I didn't know, so many things I learned. And it was, it was uh, I highly recommend everybody who is listening to us now to watch that panel and learn. It's very important. Dr. Priscilla Martinez of the Alcohol Research Group, who is one of the leading researchers in this group was the moderator. She brought together this group of people, which were amazing. Dr. Peggy Reynolds, epidemiologist, uh, Rito Aneja, who is uh, a distinguished professor of cancer uh, biology at Georgia State University, Ramey Eck, who is uh, the former co-chair of the Maryland Public Health Association, also an epidemiologist, uh, Dr. Shreema Rasaniagam, Rasaniagam, I apologize. Dr. Shrima, uh, all of them leading experts in their field. So here were the things that got me. First of all, only 25% of women are aware that alcohol is a risk factor when it comes to breast cancer. Uh, and uh, that many of them are aware of the, of the genetic possibilities. And I think, you know, this goes to a theme we've talked about a lot, Bill. People assume that there, there's a genetic predisposition to cancer and either they won the lottery or they didn't and there's not much they can do to live their lives, to change their lives. That really is not true at all. And that is something that you have helped brought forward, that it, you're not just you know stock, stacked genetically to get cancer or not. Mm-hmm. How you live your life, how you're exposed environmentally to chemicals, whether you exercise, all these things are so important, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, Miles. I mean, we can make a big difference in a lot of health. And as you know, when we work to prevent cancer, we in turn work to prevent many other diseases from diabetes, obesity, you you name it. We have a role in it. And sometimes there are things that we can or cannot do that, you know, the tools for public health, which are a bit unique from healthcare tools, can step in to help all. Public health is for all. And sometimes that's where policies come in. Certainly that's where education comes in. And speaking of, I mean, so 
one of the things that really struck me is 10 grams of alcohol a day. What's 10 grams? 10, well, a five ounce glass of wine contains 14 grams of alcohol. So we're talking about less than a glass of alcohol increases the risk of cancer, breast cancer in women. And there are, there are all kinds of factors at play here. It's a natural carcinogen. It increases estrogen levels. It blocks folic acids, which are extremely important in uh, preventing cancer. And so the truth is there's really no, quote unquote, safe level of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know we're not going to eradicate that glass of wine after a long, hard day here. But the, 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 thing, the takeaway you've got to remember here is that you, you need to drink less for your breasts, women. It's very important. And that is that is so on target with your message with less cancer. That it's we have to we live in the real world. We have risk factors. Uh, that there are uh, there is that first sip of wine is technically a risk, but you have to be aware of it, right? That's the important thing. Right. Absolutely, Miles. And we have seen not only breast cancer, but um, alcohol has been connected to several other kinds of cancer, you know. Uh, pancreatic cancer, colon cancer, esophageal cancer, you know, lots of different cancers. And I'm not the expert on it by far, but there are things that we can do to tap down on these cancer risks. Yeah. So as so often happens, this happens just about every year, I meet somebody or find a subject, which I ultimately turn into a story on the news hour. So you can expect something on this coming up because (laughs) I, I was just totally blown away at how little I knew about it and how much I want to learn about it. So, and another subject, speaking of stories that ultimately came on, uh, is the subject of perfluorinated chemicals, PFAS, PFAS, PFOA, and the great Rob Balot, who we are honored okay. to have as our board member. Uh, he, I mean, I mean uh, listen, how many people can say they have changed the world? Really? Rob yeah. Balot has changed the world. Uh, these things that have been used with such ubiquity there in 98% of humans. And they are, we call them forever chemicals because they stay with us. And they are known carcinogens, the company that made these things, which are in you know, waterproof devices, fire retardants, Teflon, DuPont, knew about it since 1988 that it caused cancer and was just dumping it in the water. Horrible, horrible story. Nobody knew about it. And if it weren't for his efforts, and here he came in as a corporate lawyer, he wasn't a plaintiff's lawyer, he wasn't an ambulance chaser. He was the guy usually on the other side of these things and becomes an absolute crusader for getting the the world to know that this is a risk. I'm just, I'm so not worthy to be on the same board with him. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, that's not true. I always especially honor people that ask questions that aren't in the field of science or toxicology or any of those things. And I highly recommend you listen to this discussion between Bill and Rob. It, it was great. And, you know, the, the, the takeaway for me is here we are 20 years after he initially began this case and the EPA still were just in the early stages of beginning to regulate this in drinking water at a federal level. The good news is some states, Michigan among them, I mean, Michigan had the experience with Flint, so they're very sensitive to this, thank God. And and the states are actually taking action on this to regulate this particular chemical in their drinking water supplies. I did a story in New Hampshire, Pease Air Force Base, now closed. They used all this foam, this uh, AFFF, which is a firefighting foam filled with PFAS for years and years and years, got into the water system, and they, they 
put in a very elaborate filtering system. So the water there presumably is safe now. And that's that's what you're going to see uh, ahead in this country as uh, localities, and hopefully the EPA will get on board, change the rules so we can get the PFAS at least out of our drinking water. But as Rob points out, it's in cosmetics, it's in turnout gear for firefighters, it's in it's all over the place. And so there are other battles to fight here. And you get the sense that, you know, it's kind of one step forward, two steps back when it comes to something like this, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, I do, since you brought it up, I do want to thank Representatives Debbie Dingell and Fred Upton, both from Michigan, both sponsors of National Cancer uh, Prevention Day and the National Cancer Prevention Workshop and co-chairs of the United States Bipartisan Congressional um, Caucus on Cancer Prevention. And several years ago, as you may recall, Miles, when Rob first spoke at that, um, you know, he talked about what we were able to do to make change. I'm proud to say both Fred and Debbie have legislation out there to help mitigate and protect the Great Lakes right now, which is really a big struggle. It's our largest source of fresh water. I'm so proud that our work and their work are working together to resolve this for our home state of Michigan. For those who may not know, both Miles and I are from Michigan. And so the Great Lakes, while they're important to the world, are especially important to us. And, and I'm proud of the work that they're doing. I'm sorry I didn't mean to sidetrack. No, not at all. But, you know, as for Rob, you know, check out his book, Exposure, Poison Water, Corporate Greed, and One Lawyer's 20-Year Battle Against DuPont. Of course, Dark Waters, the feature film. He's the only board member I know of on uh, Less Cancer who is played by Mark Ruffalo. Uh, that's for sure. And um, there's a documentary as well. Uh, it, it's a story which is worth uh, becoming familiar with. As he said, it's been an incredible journey. He's stayed on it. And most importantly, he's pushing, pushing, constantly pushing to get this information out to the public. So watch this interview with Bill. It'll get you engaged and make you understand how, um, you know, one person can change the world. And that's important to remember for all of us. Uh, Absolutely. The other one I loved was Tabitha Brown. Wow. Tab time. She is, she's amazing. Great. Oh my God. What, what she's great. positive energy, positive energy. So th- this is a woman who, was not feeling well. I mean, she headaches, you know, she just miserable, led to depression, she, she anxiety, panic. I mean, she was really in a downward spiral. And her daughter came home, speaking of documentaries, she had seen a documentary called What the Health, which got into questions of what we're putting in our bodies, what we eat. And, uh, you know, this idea that what we eat is really important. We, we, you know, I don't think we grew up really fully appreciating that, right, Bill? And, and for her, it was this light bulb moment. She said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try a 30-day vegan challenge. And uh, within 10 days, no more headache, no more. Yeah, I mean, it was all gone. Uh, and she is now four and a half years later, and she's a, a really brilliant communicator uh, sharing the benefits of veganism. You know, veganism is, isn't for everybody, but it really makes you think about what we put in our bodies, right? Right. Well, for sure. And the plant-based diet is, you know, we're primarily most of your, so, you know, she always says that's your business, but she is really, she's, she, listen, I cook with her. 
I check out her recipes. We talk about a recipe, uh, a couple recipes when we when I interviewed her. She's energizing. She's so positive, and she's really made a shift with mainstream America, in my belief, in food choices. That there are healthier things that people can be reaching for. She's energetic and fun. I'm so proud to have her be part of this, and. Um, She's a great influencer and influencer for me as well. I'm glad that she was part of this event. Uh, you know, there, there is an interesting demographic component. She is a African-American woman. And she said when she mm-hmm. first thought about veganism, she said, oh, I thought that's what white people did, which was mm-hmm. not very funny. Right. You know, but, and I mean, she, she grew up in North Carolina, eat, literally her grandfather would fry a possum for her. No, no, mm-hmm. no joke. No joke. I mean, her, her, her background in food was fried food, culturally, exactly what you would expect. And so I, I think what's great about her is she's reaching a very broad audience with a message that is so important mm-hmm. about how uh, what you put in your body has consequences down the road. You know, we, we I don't think we thought about this when we were young at all. You know, we we're just. No, I mean, we these conversations did not, you know, as far as public health went in my house growing up, it was all about washing your hands. Still an important thing, especially today with COVID. But, you know, we didn't really understand the impacts of food. But in the 60s, when we were small children, they didn't have the kind of food that they have today. So we are much more mindful of the food that's grown out of the garden, things that are less processed, things that are. And I, the thing about Tabitha is that she's done an extraordinary job of making it fun, yeah. you know, making it yeah. normal. It's not punitive. It's not like you should be eating. Because she's very cool about this is your business. Very approachable. She's a genius messenger. I can't say enough great things about her. Yeah, I mean, Norma, you know, you've had this experience. You go out to dinner with a vegan and that's all you end up talking about because that's all they want to talk about. It drives me crazy. So she's not that person. And uh, so I uh, check her out. Check out this conversation. You guys had a great, you had a lot of fun together. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. And then uh, there's a book in the mix here that you've got to read. Uh, John White, who is the chief medical officer at WebMD now, he was at Discovery. Uh, Jan Balmer had a nice conversation with him, I thought. And his mm-hmm. book, which is called Take Control of Your Cancer Risk, it's really, it's a great book. It's very accessible, very much written in lay terms. Uh, and here's I had I had my numbers wrong. I thought it was roughly 50 percent genetic causes, 50 percent environmental causes for cancer. It's actually wrong. That's 70 percent environmental causes and lifestyle issues. And, you know, he he's he's a doctor, obviously. And he says, you know, which is so interesting to me, doctors do not talk to their patients about what to eat relative to cancer. Like if they have diabetes, they might have this conversation, but they don't, they don't say, oh, you know, you really should think about avoiding fried foods or maybe a little less alcohol or a little less processed sugar because that does affect your cancer risk. That, I've never had a doctor tell me that, have you? I mean, that's unusual. Well, it doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. And it's funny that you bring that up because yesterday when I was speaking to Dr. Karen Wankfield, an amazing uh, physician advocate, we were talking about um, when, in, when I have spoken in medical schools, 
I ask those students to take care of their communities, to be a voice for their community, because everyday folks like myself don't know how to trust the information. And they are the people with the science, health, and medical backgrounds that can help unfold that. They are the very ones that can help keep you out of a doctor's office. So their voices are critical. When we find a healthcare provider that can help locally guard their communities in that way, it's incredibly powerful. Uh, yeah, you know, I just loved, he had a couple turns of phrase, which I loved. Uh, he said, think about food as medicine. That's a good thing. Latch onto that. Food is medicine. That's a, and his other one that I, I liked a lot, he says, physical activity is like a magic pill. You know, if you, if three times a week, you work yourself up 30 minutes at a, at a time to a sweat, that's, that's all he's talking about. We're not talking about doing Ironman stuff, uh, but that really affects. And then you know, something that I've been very guilty of until recently, I've been trying to change it, uh, more sleep. You've got to have good sleep. It really is important. We tend to, you know, what's that famous Warren Zevon, you know, I'll sleep, but I'm dead thing. Uh, I've always <laughs> lived by that. It's, it's wrong. It's really wrong. Um, if you don't sleep, you will be dead. Uh, right. Anyway, so, and then, then it, finally, this was the thing that uh, I thought was really interesting. Uh, uh, you know, you, there's there's so much of a component of this that is built around stress and anxiety and our outlook on life, right? People who have a better outlook on life are healthier. That We know that, right? There's plenty of research on that. And he said, do write a gratitude journal every day. Write down one thing you're grateful for. And what a great idea. I'm going to start doing that, by the way. And uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not much, believe it or not, as a journalist, you think I journal. I don't journal much, but uh, maybe, maybe I think I need to. In start. your head, you do. Yeah. You do. And you are a very grateful person. I, I, on that front, for years have been setting an alarm at noon that is a reminder to take a breath and be grateful for everything, but very specific things that I think about how my day went, where I'm going, who I was able to connect with that I, you know, just I'm up every, it doesn't happen every day. Some days I'm too wildly trying to, uh, you know, put out fires and it's hard to, but even on those days where it's so much chaos, stopping for just one second to Take a personal inventory and offer gratitude for that is helpful personally for me. I have no medical training, but it's so helpful in what I do. Well, I am grateful for you, Bill Cousins, my friend, uh, my friend of uh, how long has it been? I don't know. 50, don't even say. 58 years. My friend of 58 <laughs> years. Is that ridiculous or what? <laughs> I, and uh, I'm, grateful, good. I'm grateful for the good work you've done unless cancer in honor of your late sister and in honor of my late sister and, and actually a lot of other people in our families who we've lost. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't have to accept all of that as just part of life. And that's what I like about you. you. You said, we don't have to, this doesn't have to be the way we live. And, um, and one person can make a change and, and that's you. And I'm proud oh, of you. And I'm, well, you proud, know. Proud, I'm so proud of what this organization has become. And this workshop is just what a body of work. So, I mean, and you're doing this with, you know, um, two people, two people, um, some paper clips, it's a tight group, paper right? clips and duct tape. I mean, I don't know how you pull it all together, but you've, you've done a great job. And I, I'm just uh, thrilled to be a part of it. And just to see it grow the way it has, has been 
uh, a ton of fun. Super exciting. And Miles, I know that you have, um, like all of us, have been through the cancer journey. It's tough. And and people often will say, are you ever afraid of cancer? And I was like, hell no, because we've got so many great solutions out there. We have solutions to turn the tide. Prevention by far is the best cure for cancer. There's no better cure than preventing it. And um, only, and I do want to say, there's so little that I actually do do alone. This, this is, this workshop um, which, you know, we were, but the work for less cancer started in 2003. This workshop's about a decade old. And over the years, people have stepped on board with very little convincing, excited to be part of it. The fact that we've got 70 speakers this year is amazing. And the fact that we have uh, uh, legislators lining up from both sides of the the, the feds is amazing. I think we have like 16 or 17 legislators participating this year. Um, they're excited to be part of it. They're important. And they walk away being able to make better educated decisions about policy. And we're also better able to help healthcare providers care for their communities. So this really happens with the help, with global help. And people have been so great about stepping on and saying, yeah, we're on board with this. And it's been great. It's been a great, great thing to see. Well, I, it's, it may be the last bipartisan issue in Washington, and, uh, but you're, you're right there in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, I invite you all. Uh, it's a lot. You don't have to do it all in one setting <laughs> or sitting, but uh, watch and learn. And uh, by all means, you know, join us in being a part of the solution.